Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Has the weariness hit you yet? As these pandemic months stretch on, the emotional toll is wearing on even the most resilient among us. In recent weeks, I've heard many of you express feeling drained, listless, teary, tender, and just generally out of sorts. Our spirits are exhausted. Psychotherapist Esther Perel has described this experience as the loss of Eros. She explains that humanity has two fundamental sets of needs. We require both safety, security, and stability, as well as freedom, discovery, and adventure. Perel says, as the pandemic gripped the world, the pendulum that swings between freedom and security snapped off its hinge. In the process of flattening the curve, people had to flatten themselves. The constant extreme emphasis on safety has left us cordoned off and and missing the enlivening moments that animated our days. We are no longer casually sharing stories with coworkers, exploring a new restaurant with friends, or encountering a kind stranger on the train. As we avoid the spaces where we might experience happenstance, mystery, or surprise, we're missing out on these elements of Eros that create a sense of aliveness and bring vibrancy to our lives. While Dr. Perel is best known for her work as a sex therapist, she's quick to point out that Eros is much bigger than sex. She describes it as an openness to the world. It's the life force energy that thrives on exploration, curiosity, and change. Perel has spent a lifetime reflecting on the power of Eros. Her parents were Polish Jews who survived five years in Nazi concentration camps and met on the day of liberation. Between them, they lost 16 siblings and emerged as the sole survivors from each of their respective families. Perel says, they came out of that experience wanting to charge at life with a vengeance and make the most of each day. They both felt like they had been granted a unique gift, living life again. My parents didn't just want to survive. They wanted to revive. They wanted to embrace vibrancy and vitality in the mystical sense of the word, the erotic. 
She continues, after the war, our entire community in Antwerp was comprised of refugees, hidden children, and concentration camp survivors. The houses of some of my friends always seemed dark, devoid of energy. It felt like their families were on lockdown. They were surviving, but they were not living. They couldn't allow themselves to experience joy because that would be not being vigilant, not watching for the next danger. So they lived in a constant state of disaster preparedness. Other survivors, like my parents, rebuilt their lives and after a fashion, found ways to thrive. These people had an incredible zest for conversation, music, dancing, sex, love. They understood the erotic as an antidote to death. This shaped my perspective on life, as well as my belief in the power of will, the search for meaning, and the resilience of the human spirit. I'm grateful to my parents for showing me the world of difference between not being dead and being alive. Perel concludes, I don't know why my parents were able to savor life in this way, while others were never able to move past base survival. I do know that theirs is not a unique experience. Throughout history, humans have countered the feeling of deadness by creating music, writing poems, and falling in love. I was really struck by Esther Perel's story and wanted to share it with you today for a couple of reasons. First, she's giving us a really helpful framework to understand why we might be feeling so drained right now. The constellation of absences that Perel so beautifully frames as the loss of Eros is one of the unique stressors of the pandemic. Naming this is important, and it allows us to have compassion for ourselves and for one another. She is also offering us an anecdote, an, an antidote. While we can't throw open the doors and dance in the streets just yet, there are plenty of ways we can make space for Eros in our current lives. It's so interesting to me that from the start of the pandemic, we instinctually gravitated to activities that involved creating, cultivating, and watching life emerge. How many people do you know who have planted gardens, baked bread, and adopted puppies in the last year? We need these enlivening experiences. If we're mindful of them, we can start to appreciate, appreciate moments of Eros in all sorts of places. When Amanda Gorman stepped up to the podium at the inauguration of President Joe Biden, it felt like a collective moment of Eros. We were so curious about this beautiful young woman of color 
with her elegant bearing and her striking yellow coat. Her presence and her words were charged with vibrancy and vitality as she read her inaugural poem, The Hill We Climb. Here are just a few of her magnificent lines. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it, we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So, while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We were captivated. Amanda Gorman was such an unexpected delight. Who would have imagined that amid a program of mega stars and politi political royalty, we would come away talking about the poet. We had discovered a prophet, and she was calling us back to ourselves, back to life. Here's a few more lines. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country. Our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge, battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. The start of spring, the season of enlivening, is the perfect time to practice making space for Eros. Earlier this week, I went for a walk with the intention of appreciating the signs of life around me. I was enjoying a gorgeous bed of tulips when I noticed that several of the blooms had been sheared off. I gathered the nubs, hoping they might be revived in some water. As I was walking home, not one, but two different people stopped to strike up full-fledged conversations with me. This almost never happens in the city, especially in this era of masks and social distancing. That little bouquet of yellow flowers created an opening that allowed us to transcend our usual ways of being. Sharing these small moments of connection was so energizing, so life-giving. A surefire way to generate eros in your life is to be the source of it for someone else. Surprise a stranger with an act of kindness. Show up at tea with the ministers on Wednesday with a zest for conversation and connection. Join the nationwide movement of creative do-gooders who are quietly spreading happiness by scattering rocks with painted inspirational messages. Delight your next Zoom meeting by showing up with something unexpected in your Hollywood Square. 
The pandemic isn't over, and many of us are grieving devastating losses. But we are still alive, and we can live with vibrancy and vitality. We can choose to be open to the world. I'm going to close today with more poetry. In describing her inspiration for this piece, Ada Limon says, it was a hard winter. My whole body raged against it. But right as the world feels uninhabitable, something miraculous happens. The trees come back. I wanted to praise that ordinary thing as a way of bringing myself back too. Here's Ada Limon's instructions on not giving up. More than the fuchsia funnels breaking out of the crab apple tree, more than the neighbor's almost obscene display of cherry limbs, shoving their cotton candy colored blossoms to the slate sky of spring rains. It's the greening of the trees that really gets to me. When all the shock of white and taffy, the world's baubles and trinkets leave the pavement strewn with the confetti of aftermath, the leaves come, patient, plodding, a green skin growing over whatever the winter did to us. A return to the strange idea of continuous living despite the mess of us, the hurt, the empty. Fine then, I'll take it, the tree seems to say. A new slick leaf unfurling like a fist to an open palm. I'll take it all. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Once again, here's Ada Limon's instructions on not giving up. More than the fuchsia funnels breaking out of the crabapple tree, more than the neighbor's almost obscene display of cherry limbs showing their cotton candy blossoms to the slate sky of spring rains, it's the greening of the trees that really gets me. When all the shock of white and taffy the world's baubles and trinkets leave the pavement strewn with the confetti of aftermath. The leaves come, patient, plodding, a green skin growing over whatever winter did to us. A return to the strange idea of continuous living despite the mess of us, the hurt, the empty. Fine then, I'll take it, the tree seems to say, a new slick leaf unfurling like a fist to an open palm. I'll take it all. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.